Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with my good buddy, Rich Hill, breaking down all things week. Ah, week, whatever it is in the NFL. I don't know anymore. It's week, man. it's, It's the week. Every week's a whole new season, in my opinion. Uh, Rich, how you doing, buddy? And I am ready for this season to be over. Not <laughs> not because this is like a hard to watch Patriots team, even though it actually is, but just because it seems like this season is happening just for the sake of it happening. Not because there's any really good storylines or great teams or anything. It's happening because the league has decided that it needs to happen, and it's just so hard to watch this happen every single week. Yeah, it's funny. You know, when it, I always thought they'd start off, there'd be like an outbreak, and then they'd take like a week or two off, and then there'd be a mother outbreak, and they'd have to call it off. Um, I'm now – they're just going to plow forward. The season's going to happen. We're going to full 16-game slate and playoffs and Super Bowl. It's going to happen, which is fine. You know, like I, I, I understand the need. There's a lot of people whose livelihoods depend on NFL games happening from players to coaches to vendors to bar owners. Like I get there's a whole economy around football. Um, but – I just think the product is suffering. I don't really find myself invested, and I'm with you, man. Like, when this season ends, I'm not going to think more than twice about it once once it's all done. Oh, man, right? I, I mean, I think if you look across the league right now, what are the great storylines, right? Like, what what are the national storylines? You have Tom Brady with the Bucks. That is a storyline, but even it's, like, hard to get into that as Patriots fans, even though it's like, you know what? They're doing well. Gronk's back. But they're like, okay. They beat the Packers, but it's not like they're the offense everyone imagined he'd be with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and that entire Buccaneers offense. They've been okay. Their defense has been better than their offense. You look at the best teams in the league. You have the Steelers and the Titans who are undefeated. And honestly, Ben Roethlisberger has been mediocre. They have a great defense. That's what's going on with the Steelers. You have the Titans led by Ryan Tannehill. I don't think that he is a true face of the league <laughs> that you'd really want to follow and tune in for, you know? Like, you have Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Those are the faces that everyone's like, no, no, no these are the bright, young quarterbacks of the league. Uh, I guess technically not Russell Wilson being young, but those are the ones that really, you know, catch the eyeballs. And it's been okay. None of them are putting up historic seasons like we saw with Lamar Jackson last year or Patrick Mahomes the year before. And it's just hard to say, like, okay, 
am I going to tune into a game that doesn't have the Patriots in it? I'm just not seeing the storylines that draw me my attention. I know. Like I, I, I missed this entire week of the NFL. Uh, I thought the Pats, I stupidly perhaps that the Patriots would have their bye week this week in like <laughs> May, or I thought the NFL, if they had to shuffle things around, would do a little more competent job. So I made a professional commitment back in May to work this past Sunday. So I missed every single snap of NFL football, including Patriots Broncos. Um, but looking back right now at this kind of week six recap game, I, there's not one game besides the Pats game. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry I missed that because. None of these teams excite me. Uh, I will say at least I, I can still I'm still capable of enjoying a football game, the act of sitting and like having a beer or so and like watching a sporting event. But to be that far removed from something I have been so passionate about for so long is a very surreal experience for me personally. Yeah, and it's true, and it's it's for me part of it is uh, just the timing of it because it's like I don't think it's just the fact that Tom Brady isn't there that makes it hard to watch because like they were hard to watch last year. They, you know, they, they were difficult to watch because the offense was very bad and they are very bad again this year. So there's not that big of a difference. I just feel like there's a collective kind of just uh, around the league that like, Oh, okay. So there's a, there's a game, there are games this week. All right. All right. That's happening. Um, but there is one thing that we can always rely on, Alec, and that is the the New York Jets just being absolutely <laughs> terrible. The Miami Dolphins blanked them 24-0. Jets are 0-6. Dolphins are sitting at second place in the AFC East. Uh, they have the first shutout of the entire season. Um, but the Patriots are in third place for the first time uh, in a very long time. First time in October in nearly forever. Uh, Alec, what is going on with this Patriots team? Yeah, again, like I didn't see the game like I mentioned. I watched the highlights. I'm, I've looked at the stat sheet. I've seen the breakdowns, and I kind of tried to get it, caught it as much as I can. Uh, and it seems like, honestly, Rich, we're experiencing a lot of the same things we had last year, just a little bit worse. Uh, the defense seems to be pretty stellar. Um, this game could have easily been an absolute blowout, but they still, they held the Dolphins to what's uh, it's Brock, excuse me, to six field goals, like twice. Denver went three and out and still got points. Um but they can't score. They can't drive the ball down the field. I think the leading receiver was James White, who had eight catches for 65 yards, uh, which is a horrible stat line, especially if you add in one of them was a 22-yard scamper on a screen pass. So that's a very, very bad look for the passing team, the passing game. There just isn't really any chemistry. However, which I want to ask you this as we kind of break the game down a little bit. I believe this team has had maybe two or three full pads practices since <laughs> since September, and both of those practices, or maybe one of those practices, included Cam Newton, who's been out with COVID since like week three. That has to factor into this offensive putridity, isn't it? Oh, without a question. Without a question, this is a team that you see how many new faces they have in this offense. You know, you have your starting quarterback who's brand new. He needs to have that practice time. You look at your tight ends. Yeah, Ryan Izzo's been in the building, but to have him be your top guy backed up by two rookies, that positional group needs to have practice time in order for them to be productive members of this offense. You look at the receiving crew, Demir Bird, new face. Gunnar Olszewski and Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry, they're all young and very inexperienced. They need their time to develop a rapport with Cam Newton. You look at this offensive line who have had about 40 different people line up in different positions over the course of this season due to all of the different injuries. 
they're going to need time to mesh. So absolutely, the fact that these players have not practiced has greatly impacted their ability to produce because there's just no cohesion whatsoever. And you watch so many of the errors that took place against the Broncos, and it's so obvious that a lot of these players just aren't on the same page because they don't know each other. <laughs> they haven't spent the time together in order to build those connections, and that's completely understandable. But yes, absolutely, practice mattered. I mean, the, the case in points, basically, that last – I really thought when I was watching the highlights, there was the, there was an opportunity, it looked like, at least, having not seen the game live. The Patriots could have done a classic Patriots, pull out a late Tom Brady-esque fourth-quarter victory. Fourth and ten, Cam Newton – Nikhil Harry looked open, or he was throwing through where Nikhil Harry would have been open, and he just either ran the wrong route or they, 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 they didn't read the, the defense the same way. Uh, and the highlight, really, was, was kind of lousy with those of just – guys not being where they're supposed to be or Cam Newton thinking the guy was going to be somewhere where he wasn't. And again, on the plus side, this does seem to happen every single year, right? The Patriots, mm -hmm. they lose this. They play absolutely terrible from the championship teams all the way down. They come in. There's this team that's not very good. Everyone has them winning it no matter what. And they just suck. They lay an absolute <laughs> egg. Nothing's going right for them. They have stupid penalties, mental mistakes, bad coaching decisions, there's always a chance to win it late, and they can't quite do it. Like, I feel like this game happens every year. So I guess we can take solace in that. Yeah, I guess the problem is is that the way that the Patriots have fixed it in years past is that they've had the ability to practice with each other. They've had the ability to figure out what it is that they're good at and really hammer that home. And part of me is wondering if that's not going to happen this year simply due to the rotating cast that we've been seeing. I mean, the strength of this Patriots offense has always been their offensive line. And you see how many different changes that they've had to make on it over the course of the beginning of this year, right? Like you, you have David Andrews, who is on the injured reserve on and off. His backup, James Ferentz, is on COVID reserve. Uh, you have a bunch of other players that have been forced in and out. Shaq Mason, also on the COVID reserve list. Uh, Marcus Cannon has opted out, but we weren't really expecting him at this point. And then you see the game starts and you're like, okay, Joe Tooney has to move in. Uh, Isaiah Wynn moves in from tackle to guard. Uh, Jermaine Illuminor gets hurt. Everyone has to rotate and find some new spot on this offensive line just to line up because, uh, you know, it just takes one thing. Players are coming in and out of the roster. And I, I think when we talked about this Patriots offense over the first three weeks of the season, we highlighted that they were doing so many things well. I just personally feel like they haven't had the opportunity to build off of that. And I just don't know, uh, as you know, you have more cases of COVID on this team, you know, Sony Michelle, Shaq Mason, these players are on the COVID reserve list. These are key offensive players that just are necessary in order for this team to really lean into what they do well. Let me ask you this, Rich. By some miracle, everyone is healthy at the same time, and everyone who's supposed to start on the offensive line lines up where they're supposed to line up and <laughs> have the running backs, and everyone is healthy. Do you think on paper the Patriots have enough talent to make a deep playoff run, or is it just like they have a kind of a lower ceiling than we expected this year? Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a lower ceiling than expected. I, I think uh, I was not expecting Edelman to be as ineffective as he has been this year. 
Uh, that is a big one. If, if Edelman were the same Edelman that we've had in years past, if he was that Seahawks game Edelman, I would say this Patriots team could go toe-to-toe with everyone. But you see him go against the Raiders, two catches for 23 yards. Against the Chiefs, three catches for 35 yards. And now against the Broncos, he had two catches for eight yards. He is the third receiver on this team, uh, as it stands with how he gets his snaps. He gets his snaps when the Patriots are in three receiver sets. Otherwise, he's not on the field. And so he has to make the most of the opportunities of his time on the field, and that's just not happening. And so, so long as Edelman is not the Edelman that we're used to, the ceiling is much lower than we thought it would be. That said, I I still believe in this unit. You know, if the offensive line is healthy, that's a game changer because they have the best offensive line in the league when everyone's healthy and available. Without having that, you get a whole mishmash and a lot of changes. The running game's less effective. Cam Newton doesn't and can't rely on the same protections. But I think Edelman is the first and most major domino because with him being less effective, that makes it so much harder for everyone else to see targets on the offense. So the number one receiver on the team, and not, not James White because he's a running back, <laughs> pro- probably Demir Bird, right? He's the one rece- number one receiver? Yeah, from a, a snap perspective, he definitely yeah. has the most uh, most snaps over the course of the season. Uh, and again, that's not a great option. He, he's playing a similar role for the Patriots that like the Philip Dorsett and Chris Hogan had for the Patriots, where he is just the over-the-top guy. Maybe he'll run some hitches on the sideline. He'll do some sail routes, uh, maybe some deep posts, but... He's not playing the role that has typically been the engine of the Patriots' offense. He's there to help try and clear out space underneath. And if Cam Newton and the Patriots' offense is not able to capitalize on the space that's supposed to be generating underneath, if those receivers are not able to get open underneath, then, yeah, this Patriots' offense is extremely hampered. Let me ask you this, Rich, because we basically talked about how the Patriots, and it's rightly so based on the turnovers and the sloppiness that we saw, really shot themselves in the foot multiple times. And again, this game could have been 28-3 to at halftime very easily. Um, however, you have to give credit where credit is due. Denver also had their season and their weeks and their bye weeks in flux, and they, their offensive players weren't on the field. What did the Denver Broncos do to stymie the Patriots so effectively they just couldn't kind of game plan around? Yeah, well, I, I, was, I think Evan Lazar did a really nice breakdown on Twitter. He's over at CLNS. He did a really good breakdown on how they took away a lot of the, the check down options for Cam Newton. And they, uh, you know, they chipped a lot of the tight ends and the running backs as they were leaving the backfield or the line of scrimmage. And then uh, the pass rusher would chip them, and then they would have a linebacker right there ready to take advantage. And so they weren't ever able to make space because the way that the Patriots use their running backs is if there's a rusher, they'll chip them, and then they'll leak out. And the Broncos did a really good job of making sure that no one ever got free. And so that meant that you had to have Julian Elman, Nikhil Harry, or Demir Bird winning their one-on-one matchups. And that's just not going to happen. That I, and so it's definitely a repeatable strategy for other teams. Cam Newton obviously uh, was rusty, so that things would change moving forward. The offensive line would be a little bit better. Um, but, I, I mean, honestly, there's also a bit of luck to it, right? The, the Patriots had almost no time of possession in the first half, right? They, they had three drives. One of them ended in an interception. 
Um, so like that set up the Broncos for one of those three and out field goals that you mentioned. So if, if the Patriots, you know, didn't have that ridiculous ball swat at the line of scrimmage where a defensive tackle makes the interception, this is a different game, right? The, the, the Patriots are going down at the end of the game. They're on the Broncos 24 yard line. They need a field goal to, you know, try and win the game or to tie the game. That changes the calculus a little bit there. Maybe they don't go for two. Uh, you know, if they didn't have that interception, if Ryan Izzo didn't fumble, if, if all of those turnovers, if the Patriots were better at protecting the football, then they could have won this one in the, an ugly game, which is kind of how we thought the season would be at the start of it, right? That this would be a season of low-scoring games where the Patriots eke out these 21-18 to 18 victories um, but the offense is just making too many mistakes for that to happen. I think I predicted a 13 to six Patriots victory on our last <laughs> podcast. And I wasn't, I wasn't that far off. I'm sorry <laughs> to say. Um, the good news is, however, the Patriots were in this. They had a chance to win it late. Like I said, courtesy of once again, the defense defense seemed stellar. Uh, JC Jackson had a phenomenal game. Jonathan Jones had a phenomenal game. The secondary continues to impress. I know the Denver offense isn't that strong, but they were really good in run defense, uh, even though they offered over 100 yards on the ground. It seems like this defense is still as strong as ever. Oh, totally. I mean, when you have uh, the other team score six points after going three and out, those are points that are absolutely not the defensive's fault, right? Like, th those are this, – this defense allowed 12 points on the day, and that's a great outing uh, against any team. Right, like that's not their fault that the Broncos scored those six points. That was just great starting field position. the The Broncos had three scoring drives where they needed twelve or more plays, uh, and that means that the defense was doing a great job at forcing them to lead lengthy drives. That's the defense that they want to play. And yeah, they they made their way down. They kicked field goals, but the Patriots would absolutely take a twelve, thirteen, or fifteen play drive that results in a field goal any day of the week because that's how they want to do it that leads to the other team to having more three and outs having more third downs and that's how they play this defense is outstanding they're as good as they were last year and same as last year it's just incredibly frustrating to see such good defensive efforts go to waste when the offense is just completely inept and not able to produce and so alec my counter question to you is if you're josh mcdaniels if you're bill belichick how do you fix this offense? I think you have two things you have to do. And you, we saw this early on in the season. And again, this might just be they're trying to adjust on the fly based on the talent and the health of the players available to them on Sundays. But I don't know why. I guess I know why they're not running the ball as much when literally every single member of your offensive line is either on IR or playing out of position. I imagine your blocking schemes are going to be all off. You can't run the ball as effectively. But I don't know why they don't, A, run the ball a lot more, and B, which ties into this very, very well, in my opinion, is utilize your tight ends because tight ends on the field are good blockers. They add extra offensive linemen to make the play action more effective. And, I mean, I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me, but have has a Patriots rookie tight end seen a target uh, all season? Has there been, like, a pass thrown anyone's way? For a tight end? Uh, nope. No. Like not even like not even like a catch. I'm not asking for a catch. I'm asking for a throw in the direction <laughs> of a player drafted this year as a tight end. Uh, maybe he drops it. 
I'll be very happy when that happens. Uh, I just don't know why Belichick has always been like the tight end whisperer. He's tried to get these two tight end move, tight end jumbo tight end sets. He had the Scott Chandler four tight end set. Air. I, I don't know why they've completely gone away from tight end because I feel like a new quarterback in a system, the tight end's your best friend, as the running game's your best friend, and those are two things they're kind of shying away from, and I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree. The fact is, is that Ryan Izzo is a fine blocker. He is an okay, solid blocker, but he does nothing as a receiver. He, he catches uh, one per game for maybe 15 yards on average. That's like, that's his production. And sure, Dalton Keene, rookie, he's been injured. He hasn't had the opportunity to practice. He hasn't uh, likely earned the time to play. But Devin Asiasi, uh, he's out there as that second blocker at tight end. Give him some targets. That was his main calling card when he was in college was the fact that he could catch the ball. And Cam Newton has always had a great tight end in Greg Olson, and he always has the ability to thrive when he has that type of a target. So why not get these younger guys involved? And, and sure, you look back at 2010 when the Patriots had Gronk, they had Hernandez, both as rookies, and it took them until, you know, week 10 to get these players involved, and that's with a full offseason. That's worth a full season of practice that you're just not going to get this year because of the COVID environment. But why not? There's literally no <laughs> reason at this point in time, seeing how this offense has just sputtered and gasped its way to no points really over the past two weeks, Get some fresh faces involved. I don't know why you're not getting these rookies the opportunity to catch out there. Even if, you know what, as you said, if they drop the ball, whatever. Just it's whatever they're doing right now is clearly not working. So they need to change it up. They need to get some new faces involved. I don't know why Gunnar Olszewski isn't getting more opportunities. I don't know why Jacoby Myers hasn't had more time on the field because yeah, sure, Demir Bird is that top target from snaps. And yeah, Nikhil Harry is that first round pick, but they're just simply not producing. Edelman, uh, you know, he's dealing with an injury. Let him heal at this point. Just put Olszewski in his spot. Just let Jacoby Myers get some opportunity to play on the outside because Harry clearly is not running the right route. As you mentioned at the beginning, uh, he totally ran the wrong route. He read the coverage incorrectly, it looked like, on that last play of the game. This is another thing that Evan Lazar pointed out is that uh, the defensive back had outside uh, leverage on him. And, he, you know, Harry ran right into where he was covered. You know, he, he didn't try to adjust his route based off of where he could get open. And as a result, Cam Newton threw it to where he should have gone based off of the coverage. And it just didn't happen. And so, uh, yeah, it, what the Patriots are trotting out isn't succeeding so at this point in time just shake up all the dice and roll out some new lineups new lineups rich and we can talk about this maybe in a week or two as the actual deadline approaches but do you see maybe uh, a potential trade down the line or is belichick going to kind of roll with this team as it is in 2020 given the uncertainty of the season yeah, I mean, that's actually an interesting question because Belichick mentioned uh, either this past week or the week before that the trading deadline's a little bit harder this year. Making these trades are a little bit harder because these players 
uh, aren't able to enter the building right away because they need to do COVID testing. And so that is time at which players will not be available in the building. It changes the pricing of what it would take to like trade for these players because of how many games they might be available. So I would expect teams to be less willing to acquire and trade for players at the deadline. Um, but honestly, this team needs help. And not talking about a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu type of a trade. That was just... I still can't believe that happened. Um, yeah. But they, they need additional depth everywhere. Wide receiver, tight end, I don't care. They just need to have someone that can see five targets during the game and bring in 50 yards. Because they don't have a single player in their offense that they can rely on to do that at this point in time. They don't have a single player in this offense that you can say... I can count on you this week to carry the offense so long as Edelman is hurt. And the Patriots have always been the most successful under Josh McDaniels when they've had two or three players that can say, you know what? I got this. I can carry the offense this week. Or you know what? This team is going to scheme me out of this game by double covering me. I can count on other player to carry this offense. But what we saw last year, what we see this year, is that teams will just double cover or bracket Julian Edelman, and literally no one else is able to rise above the defense and carry this offense. And so New England absolutely needs to have someone else come into the building that can do that. All right, Rich, final question for you. It's basically a yes or no question. If you want to expand on it, you can. If you wanted to say yes or no and leave it at that, <laughs> you can do that as well. The 2020 Patriots are going to be fine. Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I think they are. Uh, I know. Again, I think it's it's very easy to look at just how poorly they played, and they've lost basically five of their last seven going back to last season. And I can't remember the last time the Pats lost five out of seven. Maybe like the 2002 9-7 and seven team. Um, and even that team lost a three-way tiebreaker for the playoffs. Uh, I think they're going to be okay. I think it's just a really weird season. Everyone's learning on the fly. And we talked about it back in maybe August or so when – there's, it's very tough to have a new quarterback in the system regardless. Uh, compound that with COVID and guys shuffling in and out. It's going to take a lot longer for this team to, to, to find their footing. But I do think if they can get to 10 and 6 or so, that might be enough to win the AFC East. And who knows what they have to playoffs. I think they're going to be okay. Their defense will keep them in it long enough for them to figure it out. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, like, looking at their schedule, they have two games against the Jets. They have a game against the Texans. Uh, they have a game against the Dolphins that hopefully they should be able to win. I mean, they have enough games that can help them get back on pace. Uh, I mean, they definitely should have beaten the Broncos, and now they're behind schedule. But, I mean, as we talked about at the beginning of the year, losing to the Chiefs and the Seahawks was expected. And, in particular, all three of their losses this year, they were so close to winning. You know, like they had that goal line game against the Seahawks that, you know, could have gone their way. And if they just had an average offense against either the Chiefs or the Broncos, the Patriots would have won these games. Like, and I, I believe in Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick to get this offense to an average level even if they don't acquire anyone new. I just believe that by the end of the year, they will be average. Uh, and with a defense playing as well as they have them playing, uh, I, I think that would be enough. All right. Oh, sorry. Sec that was second to last question. Real last question as we close up the podcast. Yes or no, the Patriots will actually play next week. <laughs> uh, I, do, I do not know. Honestly, I do <laughs> not know. We will see how the testing plays out this week. Um, yeah.
Until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Later, man.